Welcome to Passion Life Church. We are so glad that you're here. Thanks for coming to Passion Life Church. And we're continuing this series that we've simply entitled Think. And God has given us this incredible gift called our mind. Our mind. Did you bring your brains to church this morning? Come on, somebody. Just look at your neighbor real quick and see if they brought their brains to church. God has given us this incredible gift called the mind. You know, the internal activity of your mind is where everything begins and everything ends. You know, scientists are now saying that our thought signals in our mind are actually faster than the speed of light. That your thoughts are coming in at the speed of light. They estimate that we are thinking 3,000 thoughts per day, about 50 thoughts per minute. Can you imagine? That's a lot of thought life. And the thoughts are coming from all directions. Have you ever had that moment in your life where you go, what the heck am I thinking? I didn't think that. And it just pops right in your mind, these thoughts. You see a billboard or you're at Target and you see this gossip magazine and all of a sudden, come on, the National Enquirer will trigger a thought. Some people are laughing in here because they know what I'm talking about, right? And you just see these things that just trigger thoughts and thoughts are coming from all directions. But you know what? God gave us the ability to choose which thoughts that we're going to meditate on. This is a good word this morning. You don't need to meditate on every thought that you think. Let me say that again. You don't need to meditate on every thought that you think. Let me say this. Don't believe every thought that you think. Because thoughts are coming and going. I have a lot of people that they just believe what they think. Like, hold on. There's a lot going up, uh, going on up there. And we've talked about how our thoughts, the thoughts that come into our life that we allow to stay. Because how many of you know, it's not the thoughts that come and go that matter. It's the thoughts that stay. It's the thoughts that we decide to meditate on. That word meditate actually means revolve in our minds. I like to say it like this. Some of us are rehearsing thoughts over and over again. And here's the caution, whether good or bad. The Bible says in Proverbs 23 verse 7, as a man or woman thinks in their heart, so is he. Now, we talked about this last week, and I would just encourage you. Last week was one of the best messages. Uh, I believe it got so many compliments on it. Last week, we talked about the connection between your spirit and your mind. See, a lot of people think that that scripture says, as your spirit thinketh, so are you. It's not about how your spirit thinketh. It's about how your mind thinketh. So in my heart, positionally, I am perfect before Christ because of what Jesus did. Can I hear a good amen? Your spirit is good, but here's the reality. The position of my life is perfect because of Christ, but the condition of my life is a reflection of my thoughts. I know a lot of Christians who are don't understand, hey, what's going on? How come I'm not experiencing what God has for me? I'm saved. Oh, yeah, you're saved. But your spirit and your mind have to align. The Bible says those that focus and set their minds on the flesh 
live after the flesh. But those that set their minds on the things of the spirit will be the things of the spirit. It's not just a spirit thing. It's a mind and spirit thing because eventually your spirit is going to go where your mind directs it to. Come on, somebody. And so we got to think our thoughts. We, we got to think, and the Bible says, you got to renew your mind. And that's the great news about today is that minds can change. Mindsets can change. What's been on your mind lately? Carl, what have you been thinking about? If you could just take a moment and objectively stand outside of yourself and really look at your thoughts this week, what have you really been thinking about? Because you know what's funny is sometimes we don't stop to think about what we're thinking about. If sometimes we would just stop and go, hey, what are all these thoughts going through my mind? And that's what this series is really about, to stop and think about what you're thinking about. And you know what? If you'll think like God, you know what? You'll live like God wants you to live. If you'll think the thoughts of God, and that's the good news, we can all think the thoughts of God. And if you'll think the thoughts of God, you can live like God wants you to live. And today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about strongholds in our mind. We're not done with this series. We're just getting started. This is part four, but we're going to talk about worry and anxiety. I'm going to do a whole uh, Sunday on focus and distracting, being distracted. So many of us are just distracted in our mind. We're going to look at some people in the Bible who got just distracted and it wasn't spiritual things, ladies and gentlemen. It was just natural things that got people distracted. So if you have your Bibles, let's talk about strongholds today and let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. You can turn or you can scroll. Come on somebody. If you have your iPad or you have your phone, how many of you know I always say any phone that has a Bible on it is a smartphone. Come on. Come on. So just turn to that little scrolling or if you like, I, I love, I love scrolling, but when I'm at home, I have my leather bound Bible. I just love it. That's my favorite, you know, but listen, don't judge people, you know, don't judge people because you just say, Hey, I don't see them with the Bible. If they have a phone, that could be their Bible. It's welcome to 2016. We are officially the Jetsons. You didn't know it, but I just told you. Second Corinthians chapter 10, as you're turning there, You know, I think sometimes as Christians, if you've been in the church world, when you hear a word like strongholds, a lot of times we can limit that word strongholds to just maybe principalities and powers, or we think about spiritual beings and high places. And let me just say this, the Bible definitely does talk about that in Ephesians chapter 6. It talks about that there are principalities and powers. Uh, If you read the story of Daniel, Daniel is praying and the angel Gabriel shows up and he shows up and tells Gabriel, he he tells Daniel, Daniel, listen, you, we heard your prayer the day you you prayed it. And it was on the way that the, the day that you prayed it, but you know what? He says, since the day, and listen to this, this is pretty interesting. The uh, NIV says this in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, it says, then he continued and the angel said, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day, NIV says this, since the first day you set your mind 
The first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, but I have come in response to them. But you know what? What happened with Gabriel? He had a fight in the heavenlies. He had a fight, the Bible talks about, with the prince of Persia, so much that he had to go back and get Michael, Michael, this fighting angel, and they had to fight against principalities. That's why a lot of times in churches you'll hear, we're going to do a 21-day fast, or we're going to do a 21-day prayer thing. You know why? Number one, it takes 21 days to start a new habit. But based on this scripture, it took 21 days to get the answer for that prayer. But I love what it says here. Gabriel said, I was on the way with the answer to your prayer already when you prayed. Isn't that amazing? But there were some resistance. Everybody say that with me. Say resistance. So when we pray, we just have to be patient and pray. But listen, all of those things are real. And, and I don't want to make light of that today, those principalities and powers. And it's not something to, for us to be afraid of because we have victory over the devil. Because of what Jesus did, we have victory. But I want you to hear my heart this morning. I don't think principalities and powers are your biggest challenge and my biggest challenge. I think the biggest challenges when we talk about strongholds are the strongholds that are in our mind. Now, I'm not saying that they don't influence those things, but let's just be clear today, ladies and gentlemen. There is only one devil, and he's not here. The Bible says that he is up accusing you before the Father, right? There's one devil. So when people said, the devil made me do it, no, he didn't. That was just you. Right Now, there are demons, and I'm going to go into this in another time. We're going to talk about the armor of God and how they have levels of demons, and they're all in order. And it's amazing. The demons don't fight with each other, but Christians do. The demons are in order, understand authority, but Christians don't. Right? They flow, and that's why Jesus said a, high, a, a house divided against itself cannot stand. But, you know, they all function in an order. But, and we'll go through all of that. But listen, yes, there can definitely be influences, but I don't think that's our biggest challenge when we talk about strongholds. The biggest challenge is the strongholds that can be in our mind. Now, let's talk about strongholds. Strongholds can be bad, but strongholds can be good. I hope that you today will build some good strongholds in your mind because bad strongholds will pull you down. But you know what? If you can have a stronghold of peace in your mind, if you can have a stronghold of victory in your mind, you're going to get to where God has you to be. But let me just say this morning that you will get through all of the tough times if you'll have the right strongholds in your minds. Did you find 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3? Let's begin reading. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. Everybody say that with me. Come on, say mighty. Come on, how about you say it like you got some strength? Mighty. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let me read that again. Every thought. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, why do I say that strongholds in our mind are our biggest problem? I say that because Proverbs 23, verse 7 says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
right? So whatever becomes my consistent thought pattern has a, a, an influence on who I am and who I become. Now, verse 3 tells us this. We are all walking in the flesh, right? The Bible says not to walk after the flesh, but come on, everybody in here is in the flesh. Just look at your neighbor real quick. You're not sitting next to a ghost, right? The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I have people tell me all the time, oh, Pastor Phil, pray for me. You know, I saw my grandmother's ghost up in the attic. That's not your grandmother's ghost. The Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, there are demons, right, and familiar spirits, but that is not grandma, all right? And that she is in the presence of God. So you and I, we are in the flesh. We're just not supposed to walk after the flesh, right? So now when Paul is talking about strongholds, we know that he's talking about the strongholds in your mind, not the strongholds that Daniel had because he mentions thoughts here. He mentions imaginations here. And so we need to realize a couple of things about strongholds. And number one, strongholds are built. The scripture says, and we're going to look at this, there's a three-step process to building a stronghold. Now, here's the cool thing about it. If we can understand how a stronghold is built, we can understand how to tear it down. And so if we understand that the bad strongholds in our life have been built, we can tear those down, but we can also understand how to build some good strongholds in our, in our mind today. And you can see this three-step process. I was talking to a young man uh, this, this week. Uh, he's here. His name's Zach. Zach, just give everybody a wave. Uh, Zach is interning with us uh, this this uh, summer, he's, he's an awesome guy. He goes to a college by the name of Trinity out in Illinois, and he's the quarterback of the football team. Come on, somebody. And I said, Zach, I'm going to, yeah. I didn't say he plays for the Chargers, guys. You don't have to. I said, Zach, I'm going to pray for you that one day you're going to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then he shrugged his shoulders, and he said, but I'm a Raider fan. And let me just say, that is consistent with people who are Raiders fans because they don't want to tell you because they have this like awkward, we never win type thing on them, you know? And so he's like, you know, hey, um, I, I'm a Raider fan. I said, that's okay. I will cast the devil out of you in Jesus' name. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Um, but I just said, and we talked a little bit about this summer. We talked about preaching a little bit. And and uh, we talked about how sometimes you can go to a church and never really hear the word of God. You can hear stories and stories and stories. But to me, the best messages, I love people's stories, but the best messages come straight from the word of God. And one of the things that they taught us in Bible college is that it's not my story that returns void. It's the Bible, the word of God that never returns void. So I can obviously share a story with you and that may make you cry and have some snot run down your nose because it's a touching story. But at the end of the day, when you walk out here, it's the word of God that will not return void in your life, right? And so I, where do I get this three-step process uh, on how strongholds are built? Well, we get it from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Let me read it again. It says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing down into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, 
When you look in the original Greek, the New Testament was written in Greek and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the word stronghold in the New Testament means a fortress. It means a building. So we are building this stronghold. Now, again, let me just say, I don't know if you've ever watched a demolition of a building. It's pretty amazing. What they used to do is they used to do a wrecking ball, right? Even before Miley Cyrus sang that song. They used to do a wrecking ball, right? Now what they do, if you ever watch, what they do is they can destroy a building in like six seconds by taking little or sticks of dynamite and putting them in the right places at the right time. Now they'll hit that, the thing will blow up, and a building will collapse just like that in six seconds. But it didn't take six seconds necessarily just to destroy the building. The architects had to come in two or three or four months to realize and look at the plans. How was this building built? And they go into the plans and then what they do is they strategically place the dynamite and destroy this building. And what's fascinating, if you've ever seen something like this on TV, the building just falls straight down. You could have a building right in front of two other buildings, and it will fall straight down just because they put the dynamite right in the strategic places. So in this three-step process, if we can understand how these strongholds, this fortress that was built, then it can help us to tear it down, and it can also help us to bring build new ones. So here's the first step in this process. Now I want you to notice something that in verse five, it lists the last one to the first one. So it's like he's unveiling, Paul is unveiling the stronghold, but he goes from last to first. But today I'm going to start with the first process. And here's the first process, the first step when it comes to building a stronghold. Number one, it all starts with a thought. All starts with a thought. Now, most of our thoughts are harmless. Most of those 3,000 thoughts are harmless. And they've done studies and they said, but there's potential thoughts that come during your day that could be life-altering thoughts and decisions that could cause decisions, life-enhancing thoughts. There could also be destructive thoughts, toxic thoughts. Now, let me just tell you, strongholds just don't appear. You're not going to sleep tonight and wake up tomorrow with a stronghold. It doesn't work that way. Strongholds are built over time, sometimes quicker or sooner than later, but they begin to get built. And ladies and gentlemen, it all starts with a thought. Pastor Phil, that is so simple. Are you serious? It all starts with a thought? Yeah, I'm real serious. All drug addiction started with one thought. It started with one thought. Adultery never started in the bed. It all started with a thought. Come on, somebody. Stealing never, never just happened. It all started with a thought. A defeat mindset starts with a thought. A mindset of victory starts with a thought. Do you remember King David? The Bible says there was a time when kings went to war. David should have gone to war with the army. But David stayed home. Can I just encourage you? Some parts of doing right is just being at the right place at the right time. 
and you want, you want to overcome temptation, be at the right place at the right time. If he would have went off to war when kings went off to war, he wouldn't have had the trouble that he was going to have. But he stayed home and he had a thought. What if I go up on the rooftop? Now, King David knew. Remember D- King David? David was the one that killed Goliath. He had some great victories in his life. But he's staying home and he knew that the women bathed on top of the houses. And he had a thought, I'm just going to go on top of the palace today and see what's going on. And he climbed up, and I love Bible names. There was a girl by the name of Bathsheba taking a bath. (laughs) David knew the whole time that there were people up there. And he committed adultery. And you know what? It all started with a thought. All started with a thought. And my church family, if you don't cast those thoughts down that come, listen, again, it's not the thoughts that come and go. It's those thoughts that stay and the thoughts that you are rehearsing over and over. You know, people say stuff like this. Well, time just heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. I know people that are still rehearsing thoughts from when they were six years old. So it's not time that heals all wounds. It's Jesus that does if you will allow him to work in your mind. And let me say this. It's work. It's work. Think, I mean, all, all of these thoughts, all of these thoughts, and it starts with a thought. Now, let me just help somebody today. You know how a thought has taken root in your life? You know how you, you know? Number one, you keep meditating on it. And then Jesus said this you start talking about it. That's how you know a thought. Jesus said, take no thought saying. So when you start hearing people saying, you know that the thought has begun to take root. And be careful, because this is the first process when it comes to a stronghold. And a lot of people have different thoughts. Can I just help? I want to help people today, because in 20 years of counseling, you know what a, a big thought is that people have in counseling? I hear this all the time. And this is the question, am I normal? We'll talk, and here, here's, here's the question. A- am, am I just weird? And I, I wonder, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, I wonder how many of us in this room have had that thought because we have so many thoughts going on in our head, sometimes we're just going to go, stop, am I normal? Can I just tell you today, you are normal because you're thinking. If you're not thinking, you did. Does that help in Jesus' name? That's your mind. It's working. Now, in some counseling sessions, they're like, am I normal? And I wanted to say no. I just really did. Here's the the question, too, they ask. Is there something wrong with me? And here's when the thought takes root, when you start saying it. I think there's something wrong with me. I think they are. I think there's something wrong with my thoughts. And I understand people struggle, but let me just say this. Do you know that you can convince yourself that there's something wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with you? What about thinking what's right with you? How about instead of what's wrong, say, what's right with me because of Jesus and his name and because his blood? I know we have a past. I know, but listen, God does not define you by your past. He gives you a whole new identity, and there's nothing wrong with you because of Jesus. But you can think there is, and you know what? As a person thinks in their heart, so is he. But you're going to have to cast those thoughts down in Jesus' name. And here's the second step. Are you glad you came to church this morning? 
So it starts, number one, with a thought, and then it becomes, number two, a high thing. A high thing. This is when the thought begins to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. Do you know the word high thing uh, in, in the Greek here is a hostile term? That these thoughts come and the, it's a hostile thought. And what is the goal? The goal is to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. So here is the implication. Here comes this thought. It's a thought. And you understand, you know what, how God thinks. And here comes this thought. What's wrong with me? There must be something wrong with me. That thought is a hostile thought. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to start tearing down your identity in Christ. And depending on what you decide, how many of you know, your brain does not control you. You control your brain. And you will be the deciding factor. Because here is that thought tearing you down. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. And if you allow it, it will tear down the knowledge of God that you have. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a battle going on for your mind. You know, I've talked with people who say that there's something wrong with them. And I've hung out with them and hung out with them. And I can't figure out what's wrong with them. But they think that there's something wrong with them. And do you know that affects their whole life? How they approach people. How they experience life. And my church family, the Bible says it in John 10, 10. God came. Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. And it is the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And before he kills you, he's going to accuse you. And he, all he has to do is say, what's wrong with you? That's why I never tell my son that. I hear parents that hear, say that all the time to their kids. What is wrong with you? Go ahead and start an identity where he's always questioning himself. When he does something, the first thing I want to know is, how are you? Come on, Gavin, how are you? My five-year-old son. But sometimes I want to say, what the heck are you thinking? We do not paint the couch. Right? Or you can say, Man, my son, he's the next Michelangelo. It's all in your mind. It's all how you think. But here's the thing. The second process is it's a high thing. And then here's the third part. The Bible uses the word imaginations. I wish they would have translated this right because imaginations in the Greek actually means reasonings. So here comes the thought. It's going to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. And then it becomes a part of your reasoning. Webster's Dictionary says this, that reasoning determines conduct. Reasoning determines contact, conduct. And guess what happens in your reasoning? If you don't cast this thought down, I want you to listen to this. The unreasonable, the unreasonable becomes reasonable. Let me say that again. The unreasonable becomes reasonable. David walks up and sees Bathsheba, and the next thing he knows, listen, he's committing adultery. The next thing he knows, he's killing her husband. The unreasonable becomes reasonable. In what world is that even right? But you know, because of those imaginations and the reasoning, now it becomes your conduct. And here is a man that it started with a thought, looking at something he shouldn't have been looking at in a place that he shouldn't have been, 
and then he commits adultery, and now he, he finds himself as a murderer. He takes Uriah and puts him on the front of the armies, and he gets killed. So he was responsible for the death. Where in any world is that the right mindset? But you know what happens? Listen, in David's mind, it became reasonable. The unreasonable becomes, have you ever been around people? They do things and you just go, how would you think that that works? And somehow in their mind, the unreasonable has become reasonable. And guess what? Now you have a stronghold in your life. And listen, it can be a stronghold of fear. It can be a stronghold of doubt. It can be a stronghold of depression. It, it, be, it can become uh, a, a stronghold of lust. I've talked with people. I've counseled people uh, with depression. And I get it. People have stuff going on in their minds that can be chemical. But you know, one of the biggest things that I have found, a lot of people are just depressed because they don't understand that they have a purpose and a destiny in their life. And when you don't see that, you're going to get depressed because you were made for something. God has a calling on your life. And that needs to to be realized. Amen. We, need, we didn't know that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just encourage you, whenever circumstances and things are coming against you, you need to know. Sometimes I get real happy when I'm getting persecuted by the devil because I know I'm doing something because he's upset because I am moving. And I know when things are chaotic in my life and man, it feels like all hell's coming against me. There is a blessing on the other side of this that the enemy does not want me to see. He does not want me to have. And there's a reason. Listen, come, listen, listen to me. Demonic forces do not waste their time. If they'll come and after you, it's because you have a purpose, you have a destiny for your life that hell does not want you to accomplish. So for me, I just sit back and go, if hell doesn't want me to accomplish this, I'm going for it. Sometimes, sometimes I I'm, I'm, God, what do you want me to do? I, I don't hear a clear word. But then I look at what the devil's doing, and he's coming and sending hell against me. I go, I'm going this way. I'm going God's way because he's trying to stop me from experiencing something maybe that I've never experienced for in my life. So it could be a stronghold of depression. It could be a stronghold of faith, a faith that no matter what's coming at you, faith. I'm going to think faith. Listen, you cannot live a positive life with a negative mind. You cannot. And listen, I'm not just all about positive thinking for the sake of positive thinking. I'm thinking the thoughts of God. What does God say about my situation? Does God say that there's something wrong with me? Does God say that I'm depressed? Absolutely. No, I'm too blessed to be depressed. Thank you, Jesus. But I got to set my mind on those things or it becomes a stronghold. Can I show you just real quick an example of this in the Bible? And, and here's what we're going to do. We'll play a little game with you. I'm going to read these scriptures. I want to see if you can see the process. And you tell me what step in the process this is. Let's go back to Genesis, the, uh, the book in the beginnings. Genesis chapter 3. Look, it happened right with Adam and Eve. And let's see if we can identify, because I think this is going to help you. As you leave today, you're going to understand the process of how this works so you can build good strongholds in your life. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, now here, here's the snake talking to the woman, here he is, right? Here he comes to the woman. Listen to what he says. Has God indeed said? The original Hebrew says this. He comes to her and says, why has God said that you should not eat of every tree of the garden? 
Now what step is that? What is he doing? Come on, say it loud. Right, but according to our, 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 our process, thought, high thing, imagination, which one is it? Thought. Why did God? Ladies and gentlemen, the enemy is still using the same tactics on the world today since the beginning. So, so why did God say that? And there's the thought in your mind. Well, why, why, why did God say that you shouldn't have sex before marriage? Why did God say that? God, he's such a bummer. He's such a cosmic killjoy. Why would he say not to have sex before marriage? Actually, God is not a cosmic killjoy. God actually created sex for a married couple. And if we will keep it in the context of a married couple, we wouldn't see half of the things that we see in today's culture with sexually transmitted diseases, kids growing up without parents. Why is it? Because they all did it their own way because they allowed a stronghold in their mind. But here's the first step. Why did God say? Listen, he told them, God told them, you will surely die. You'll surely die. Look at verse four. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die for God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, what step is that? Say it loud. High, high, high places. The enemy says, if you eat of this tree, you ain't gonna die. He is exalting his knowledge above the knowledge of God. And we need to understand that's what he does. He exalts himself. I always wondered, how did Satan become Satan? I mean, because, you know, I think we, like, there wasn't like another little Satan whispering in Satan's ear going, you're going to be Satan. Right? There was like a little, another little devil and another angel, right, speaking in the devils. And he, you're going to become the devil. How did this happen? But the Bible says that Lucifer was the praise and worship leader before God. Listen, and Lucifer said within himself, pride came and said, I will exalt myself. And you know what? He's trying to get you to exalt knowledge over the knowledge of God. Now listen to what he says, because it's the same tactics the enemy tells him. If you eat, you shall not surely die. Here's why God doesn't want you to eat, because you're going to be like God. I have a problem with this, because they were already like God. The Bible says that they were created in his image and likeness. So tell me something I don't know, devil. I don't have to eat of a fruit to become like God, I'm already made in his image and likeness. And then he says, God doesn't want you to know the knowledge of good and evil. Knowing the knowledge of good and evil doesn't make you a God. Look at the devil. The devil knows the knowledge of good and evil, and he's in a snake. And let me just say this. He's not a God. He's not. I know some people worship him, but he is not on the, you can never. It is not even a hundred to zero with him. It is a million. He is nothing. It is not two gods fighting it out. God is our only God. The devil is a deceiver. And the Bible says that at the end of time, when we look at him, we're going to look at him and go, this is what destroyed the nations? That. El cucuy. That's what we say in Spanish. That 
I was saying is, you know, chubacabra. Sorry, I speak in tongues every once in a while. For those of you that don't know Spanish, the chupacabra is this, this animal that they don't know if it exists or not. And, right, they do these things, and we don't know what it looks like, but it eats goats and stuff. It's like this, like this legend, right? In, in El Paso, everybody's like, it's always like a chupacabra. Isn't that funny? That's a, that's a, a, a stronghold, and we don't even know if it exists. Right? We don't even know. But you say that name, it's like, ooh, I just got goosebumps. And so they were already made like God. And he says, it's going to make you like him. Look at verse six. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. So she took its fruit and she ate. So Eve, look at this, this is interesting. So Eve looks at the tree. Now, mind you, God said you can eat from every tree. There was the tree of life. They could have eaten of every tree. But Eve is looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says she did three things. She looked at it and you go, hmm, this is good for eating. Number two, hmm, the tree looks pretty. That tree couldn't hurt anybody. It's too pretty. I know a lot of pretty things that have hurt a lot of people. Come on, somebody, a.k.a. Delilah, huh? <laughs> it's pretty. It won't hurt me. And then number three, oh, this tree will make me wise. It's good for food. It's pretty, and it's going to make me smarter. And she ate. What step is that? Reasoning. And so she began to reason, this is going to make me smart. And she ate of the tree. And ladies and gentlemen, there was a stronghold that was birthed into mankind because you know what the next words from Adam and Eve were? We're afraid. God comes walking in the cool of the day and there was a, mind, a stronghold of guilt, shame, and fear. God comes walking in the garden to fellowship with them and he says, Adam, where are you? And he says, we hid because we were afraid. Afraid of the very God who gave them the garden, the very God who created them. And because of a stronghold in their mind, it broke off and separated them. They did die. Now, they didn't die physically. They died spiritually. And so they were disconnected from God. Now, here's the great news today. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10.4 that you and I have the weapons to tear down strongholds. I don't care if it's a stronghold in your family because they can be passed down through heritages. The way your mom thinks, right? Or your, your grandmother thinks. Now your mom thinks like that. Now she's trying to get that mindset on you. Come on, somebody. And then your mom or your grandmother has fear. You know fear is contagious. You need to be careful with your kids. If you're fearful, you're speaking fearful things, it will get on there. But so is faith. Faith is contagious. And faith can be contagious. I want my son to be an I can. I can do all things through Christ. Not, okay, it's all contagious, but you have the weapons to bring those strongholds down. My church family, come on, let's renew our mind today. These strongholds don't have to stay in Jesus' name. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says this, look, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. Come on, say that one more time. Say mighty. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So let me encourage you. 
you need to pull these strongholds down and you can pull them down. But the Bible says we have supernatural weapons that are not carnal. That word carnal means they are not human. They're not human weapons. Now, let me, let me tell you, some of us can have a mindset or a stronghold and we try to come at that in a human level. Can I give you an example? New Year's resolutions, right? That last three hours, right? Because we're going to go for it, right? It's 2017. Some of you are already writing them, right? 2017. Why don't you just start today? No, I got to start on New Year's Eve because we have a party and all that stuff. Write my list, right? It's New Year's Eve. You can't remember. Where's your list? <laughs> so next year you got to write, remember my list. Be more organized. It's real life, people. I'm just telling you. I know you came to church to hear spiritual things, but this is real life for people, right? And this applies to our real life. We make New Year's resolution. Oh, I'm going to stop. You know what? And you can do that for a period of time. But you know this word carnal in the Greek also means temporary. This is why I believe, and this is just my heart, not trying to judge anybody. But listen, this is why I believe some people experience temporary change but not permanent results. Because they try to go at it in their own human strength, but the Bible says these weapons are not carnal, and these strongholds, you're not going to get rid of them with carnal human knowledge. You know what you're going to get rid of them with? The weapons that are supernatural weapons, and these thoughts have to be dealt with supernaturally. Listen, the battle is not going to be won with human knowledge. I talk to a lot of people who are intellectual, and I love them, and I thank God for them. But you know what? They don't understand the things of the spirit because they're trying to figure everything out in their human reasoning. And some things you are just not going to figure out. I don't understand how God can ask a man with a withered hand to stretch it out and it stretches out. I don't understand how Peter can walk on water. I don't understand how Lazarus can be raised from the dead. But you know what? If my son was dead and Jesus walked in and he raised him from the dead, I wouldn't need to understand it. I would just throw my hands up in the air and wave him look like I just do care. Who cares how it happened? I want to see miracles. Right? And so what are these weapons? It can't just be a temporary thing. The Bible says that these weapons are mighty through God. You have mighty weapons. Here, here's, here's my little pet peeve with Christians. We have so much. We don't know who we are, and we don't know what we can do. And, and let me just be honest with you. Growing up, I was in churches that were always telling us how to achieve what I realize now in the Bible I already have. Oh, you know, you got to be holy, got to be holy. Well, when Jesus comes inside your heart, he brings his holiness. You got to be righteous, got to be right. When Jesus comes in, you can be, try to be righteous without Jesus all you want, and it ain't going to work. But when he comes in your life, all things become new. Now, here's what I want our church to be about. I want you to know who you are, but I also want you to know what you can do because of what the Bible says you can do. But some people are in such an identity crisis. I don't know if I'm saved today. I feel saved today. Now, I always feel saved. Bless you. Just wait and see if he does another one. I always feel saved when I have a latte from Starbucks. But when I don't, I feel like hell. But I'm saved. 
hell's in the Bible. Right? But what am I saying? These weapons, the Bible says, are mighty through God. Now, this word mighty in the Greek, it actually means this. They are, means two things. Number one, it means mighty through you. Through you. Me, little old me, Pastor Phil, you. Mighty through you. And then it means this. Listen, I love this. This is what it means. It implies this type of strength. The word mighty means this. I am strong, I am able, and I can do it. That's all in the Greek. When you look at that word mighty, come on, say it with me. I am strong, I am able, and I can do it. Wow, this just sounds like a self-help type of class. No, it's the Bible. The self-help people got it from the word of God. And so I'm not going to put that aside because this is what the word of God says. The word of God says that I am strong, I am able, and I can do it. Come on, let's say it. I am strong, I am able, and I can do it. Come on, say it again. I am strong, I am able, and I can do it. You know what's interesting is that, I don't know, I just want to say it again. I am strong, it feels good. I am able, and I can do it. Come on, some of you need to start saying this with your mind. This is when strongholds come down. Come on, say it. I am strong, I am able, I can do it. Even if you have to say this, I am strong, I can do it. It doesn't matter. Come on. I am strong, I am able, I can. If you gotta, even if you got to say it wimpy, just say it. I am strong. Just say it. I am strong. I am able, and I can do it. I want to close with this. Do you know that this word mighty is the same word that Paul used when he said it is, what did Paul say? Let me see This is the same word Paul used when he said God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. So Paul said this. That's why he says, I'll even glory in my weakness because in my weakness, I am strong, I am able, and I can do it. So he says, even when my weakness comes, I understand God's strength in my life. Even when there is distresses, I am strong and I am able and I can do it. Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My church family, you have weapons. Let me tell you what those weapons are. Number one, there's a, you have a weapon of prayer. You know, when you go through uh, the armor the Bible says in Ephesians 16, it says, praying always. Praying is such a weapon. How many, when was the last time you really asked God to help you with your thoughts? Not only do you have prayer, but the Bible says you have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And every time a thought in my mind tries to come and it tries to exalt itself above the, the, the knowledge of God, ladies and gentlemen, I take out my sword. And the sword of the spirit is the word of God of God. I love when the devil comes to Jesus to tempt him and he says all this stuff, all this smack and Jesus says, it is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus was getting out his ninja sword. Come on somebody and said, it is written. And this is what he did. I think this is the Phil Valdez translation. He put a Zorro Z right on the devil. It is written, it is written, it is written, I'm done, we're out. Right? Every high thing now, some of us don't know what the word says. 
So we got to get in the word. And that is a sword. The Bible says it's a sword of the spirit. So you're praying and you use the sword. And let me just say this. I know now, now this is a little bit awkward. It's a little bit weird, but you know what? Thank God that I know how to do this. And hopefully I'm helping you today is to build some good strongholds today. But you know, there's some times where I say in Jesus name, I cast this thought down right now. I say it. I say it, when these thoughts and these, this continual thought, that there's one thought that's kind of always is coming at me. I say in Jesus' name, I cast that down. You have the name of Jesus that you can use in your life at your disposal. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not just any name. It is the name above every name. You do not have to keep thinking the same thoughts over and over again. Strongholds can be broken in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 